Welcome to the Conversations with Anna podcast. My name is Dr. Anna Stump, the Golden Ticket Professor, a self-proclaimed edutainer. I'm a former business executive turned high school teacher turned college professor. And in the past three decades of that transition, I have spent time with several generations. And with that as my foundation, I have some stories to tell. In each episode, you'll hear stories or interviews that will help you focus on your own truth. I want you to feel accepted, motivated, supported, and then I want you to be able to take what you know about yourself and your truth, go out into this big old world we live in and apply that so you can move forward with a strategy for a more authentic life. Thank you for spending some time with me today. Now let's jump in to a conversation with Anna. It's early in the day, so much I want to do. I dedicate today to breaking rules. I'm gonna stick to a strategy. I'm gonna find out exactly what I'm made of. Is there really something wrong with just smiling the whole day long? I'm so excited about this conversation today. And if you've been listening to past episodes, you may remember in episode 15. I mentioned my conversation with Jay Dussold, and Jay is a Gen Z career guide. He has a passion and now an amazing um, plan to help teens that are still in high school identify careers that they will love and stick with. So even if you're not in high school, even if you're not the parent of teens, I want you to listen to this conversation today because let me tell you how much you will learn about somebody who has a very deep passion, is truly centered, is living their truth, just so passionately in the truth, and making a difference in the lives of others because of it. Jay is fascinating. He tells us a lot about himself, how he got to where he is. When he walks you through this process he uses with high school students, I think it's fantastic for all of us to hear. And then ultimately, we talk a little bit about journaling, and he helps me tremendously there as well. So please enjoy this conversation with me and Jay Dussold, and all of the ways to get a hold of him on LinkedIn, Facebook, and his website will be in the show notes. I hope you get a lot out of this conversation. I've been telling everyone who will listen about not only your coaching business, but kind of how I think like when we first talked, I was like, this is applicable to so many people right now. And you're like, no, I really need to say my why. Like that is so powerful. And I think people need to hear that, that you have to make that decision and set that boundary for yourself. And then just, I would love just to chat. I mean, I don't really have any kind of real agenda, I guess, but I really, really, really enjoyed um, the conversations that we had. Um, I don't know how much LinkedIn you got out of it, but I got a lot. Of just of um, and I think I shared this on um, episode, and I had also talked to my friend Ashley about it when we first talked, and you were like, "Where do you get your generous spirit?" And I was like, "That just kind of knocked the wind out of me for a second because I don't think I ever had anybody ask me that," which kind of led to me going, "Well, why did you notice that?" And learning about your background a little bit, and you've done some youth pastoring, those types of things. So why don't you give me like? your little background um, story so we can kind of learn more about you and how you got where you are and your heart and those types of things. Yeah, sure. So just a small question, right? Just your whole entire background. You're like, yeah, okay. And, <laughs> yeah, and, and, and in that. 45 seconds, right? 
<laughs> you can take as long as you want. <laughs> no, no. All right. Well, um, I, so, you know, I, I can share it like in terms of what, you know, the backstory of what I'm currently doing. I think that's what, that's what you're getting at more. <clears throat> okay. Yeah. So like the whole idea with career confusion, uh, I was really introduced to that when I was a, let's see, I guess I was a freshman in college and I uh, had no clue what to do when I was in high school, you know, heading, heading uh, into graduation. And, you know, I said, well, well, what, what are things I like? And I liked looking at buildings. I liked uh, design features of buildings and uh, even like interior spaces. I always just enjoyed, you know, looking at space and looking at details of things. So, of course, I said, oh, I'll just be an architect. Right. Makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I, I was in my first uh, architectural class as a freshman, freshman year, freshman semester. And we had this first project that was due. It involved uh, doing some elevation drawings and some perspective drawings. And so, you know, I was kind of tracking with how to do those. And I felt like I did the assignment. So we'd come in the morning that the assignment was due and everyone's at their drafting table and they're opening up their portfolio, you know, uh, cases. And, and not only are they pulling out the perspective drawing and the elevation drawing, but they're pulling out these amazing hand sketches of what their thing looks like, you know, fully built and constructed. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I can't draw. I can't sketch like I don't have that ability. Now, this is this is a long time ago. So this <laughs> is when CAD computer. I think it's assisted drawing. I think that's what right. it is. Yeah. Okay. This is when CAD was just coming into universities. All right. So this is a long time ago and, and it didn't have all, you know, all this software and programs where you could, you know, basically draw a sketch by hooking up probes to your brain and thinking it and it'll draw it for you. you know? like, right. This was like way back in the day when you actually had to, you know, draw things and sketch. And you had to I have realized, that talent. Like you could that, have the vision, but you had to have the talent to get it on paper. Exactly yeah. right. Yeah. And that's what I realized I didn't have. And I knew that it was not a skill that I could really develop. It's kind of the thing you have it or you don't. And uh, so I just remember very vividly. I mean, every time I think about it, it's like I'm right there in that moment all those years ago. Mm -hmm. that, that sinking feeling of saying, oh, my God, I thought I knew what I wanted to do. And this really isn't going to be a good idea but I don't know what else to do. And so I was just really overcome with uh, feelings of uh, I'm never going to be able to do anything with my life. I'm not going to amount to anything. Uh, I'm going to basically never know what I'm supposed to do. I'm never going to make it in life. I mean, right. th those are pretty serious things and, and they came on really strong. And then I said, and even worse is that I don't know how to figure out what to do. So, you know, I, I left the architectural program. I wound up uh, leaving uh, college altogether. Um, I had a, a, um, a kind of a, a spirituality background as well at that point. And so uh, I decided to pursue some things in my, my spiritual orientation. And so I did that, that I bumped around there and I did some other things anyway, uh, I had a long journey of, of trying to, you know, figure things out. But I just remember that feeling of being confused 
and not knowing what to do and all the anxiety that that brought. Were you a first generation college student? Yes, I was. Yeah. So same here. So Uh, you also have that albatross of you're the first person in your family. Everyone before you has worked hard and sacrificed and want this free. There's a lot of pressure when you get to college. And then I think we're close enough to the same age that the design of college back then was you had to get your gen ed stuff done. Yep. And then you were a little older by the time you got to your major. And if you had one of those like moments like you did, Mm -hmm. which I had lots of, I mean, you're, you're so far in. Right. (laughs) And it is, it was debilitating fear and failure and like, not just of yourself and your future and, you know, spiral that shame, but you have all these people that worked hard for you. So I get that. I get that a hundred percent. And I think that's why you and I um, bond on this whole thing, because we had those same experiences. We remember what that feels like. Mm-hmm. And then we look through that lens at, you know, like kids today, I'm doing my yeah, yeah. Uh, finger quotes there. And I just stand in front of them all the time and think if I would have had what you had, if I would have had like Google and I would have had LinkedIn and I would have had the ability to have conversations with people and access and all of those things. And they just stare at you because they're like, we've always had this. And right. they, they're having their own sense of that same like crisis. I think you and I both went through too, but yeah, for sure. Yeah. That's a, that's a, that's a great point. Yeah. So, and so that, that was very real for me. You know, like I said, I, I kind of found my path and, you know, wandered and, you know, got to something that fit. But so fast forward like 20 years from that point, And I'm at this crossroads again of being confronted with uh, uncertainty about career direction and feeling all of that anxiety and worry. But this time it's not for me. It's for my son, who is a junior in high school at this point. And so now I'm, uh, you know, as a parent, I'm at that same place again, saying, how do we help him figure out what to do? He's not really sure. And this is a huge decision. You know, there's a potential uh, huge expense associated with what we decide. And how do we know, you know, we won't waste time, money or effort pursuing something that he winds up saying, oh, actually, that's really not what I want to do. Mm-hmm. So, so I was at that crossroad again, and it was really overwhelming to me as a parent you know, for, for my son, I was like feeling secondhand. Oh yeah. Fusion. <laughs> you probably felt it much deeper than he did. Right. Because you had all that other baggage and I were, did. Yeah. It's yeah, like flashbacks. Yeah. yeah no, that, that's a great point. You know, he, he was definitely feeling it, but yeah, you're right. I was feeling it much more because I, I, I had that experience of it and, you know, I knew what was at stake much more than he did. I, you know, the finances and the other things, uh, were really in the forefront of my mind as I'm thinking about his confusion and mm-hmm. lack of clarity. So, so I, I started like just asking the question: How how can I help him as a parent? Like, is there a way that we can really have clarity and a sense of confidence regarding career direction? In other words, are, are there any things that we can consult that would tell us, hey, in light of who he is? Here, here are some really great options and, and have that being done with a good degree of accuracy. And personalization, because I think yes. you can jump online and read a million things, but they're all very general. True. Yes. And the, 
and very much biased because if it's a college trying to tell you what major to choose, they're still assuming you're coming to college. Yes. And, you know, then there's all of that media and I don't know if I call it propaganda. I kind of do, but that you, you have to go to, you have to, <laughs> you have to go to a four-year college and the all, you know, plus yeah. the access to get to college is a lot easier than it was when you and I went and it's become this just, uncommunicated expectations. So there's that level. So yeah, I, I think some of that had to have um, a deeper impact for you, not simply because of your journey or because this was your child, but because of what you were doing at the time with mentoring youth. Oh yeah, sure. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I, I had, I had spent many years, um, you know, at working with young people. I I was uh, 13 years. I was a a youth pastor and a, um, you know, uh, a Protestant tradition of a, of a church setting. And uh, yeah, so I, I had logged uh, just so much time with young people. And so, um, you know, I, I saw it with them as well. I saw the fallout, you know, but, but, but you as also I see how you have to, um, like, I call myself an edutainer because I feel like the first time I walked into a high school classroom, I thought, well, I got to get their attention first. <laughs> right. Yeah. I have to, like, I I have to get it. their attention, prove myself, understand them. And, I mean, it's a process to get them to listen. And even with mm-hmm. what you're doing now, like you and I talked a little bit, it's one thing that their parents want them to do it. It's a whole nother thing for them to be on board with it. So I think you have that specific mindset and approach that probably is what's making you more successful at this than other people that would take a, you know, a run at it. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's, um, I, I feel like I am confident in the solution that I've been able to put together. And, you know, that that gives me a great passion as well, because I know that what what I put together actually works. So, you know, there are six years of getting those results. And then the assessment tool that I use, there's 50 years before me using it of, of getting these kinds of results in different arenas. I use a tool that was primarily used in, in more like corporate and business realms. But, um, you know, it's been getting results for years. And then when I started using it for students, it's, it's been fantastic. So like the, the, you know, the insights that I've had from young people working with them, my own uh, kids and their experience, my own personal journey, coupled with a solution that works. I, I, that's why I have so much passion to really help young people. Um, And that's what happened. uh, Anna. when I was looking at a solution, I couldn't find any. Like, you know, I found these, you know, online, these quick assessments where you answer a bunch of questions. And um, that was really what I found. And I just didn't feel like it gave me the confidence in in the answers it was giving or the suggestions it was spitting out once you did the little assessment. I wasn't confident in, in what it was recommending for my son. And so here's a huge decision, a costly decision. And I needed something more trustworthy to, to base my decision on. And, and as I started researching what are other options or what's, why, why, why do I don't, you know, why do I lack the uh, sense of certainty with these kinds of assessments? Uh, I, I learned that, you know, there, there's a lot of issues with them. And especially if the person taking the assessment, if they're the ones that control the answer and they're, they're answering things based on their opinion of themselves, studies have shown that they are subject to a lot of bias, mm-hmm. right? So 
if 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 the if the data going into an assessment tool is skewed through bias, well, then then the the results or the suggestions coming out are not going to be really spot on. And I'm I'm not saying that these tools can't you know give you insights or you can learn about things, but the 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 type of decision I was needing to make, I just was not feeling comfortable. And so that's one thing I learned in my research. And then I also started realizing how massive of a problem career confusion is with young people. Yeah. I didn't know how huge of an issue it was until I really started researching and reading. And everywhere I turned, uh, this was an issue for young people. So at the same time I was trying to solve the problem, I was also realizing the magnitude of it. And so then it took on a life uh, of this isn't just about helping my son. I think I have a new calling in my life, a new mission to actually help other young people. Oh, 100%. And I, I think that's one thing, again, like when we talked, I was like, oh, Jay, you can help all these people right now. You have all these unemployed people and all these adults and I'm dealing with grad students and all these people that don't know, like, you can help everybody. And you were like, no, I'm good. (laughs) You're right. I could, but I'm not going to. So I think that level of just focused passion and that you um, are true to that. I think that's amazing. And I get a hundred percent when you're saying, because, you know, I've had this weird journey through education. And one thing, and I don't know that I knew how to articulate this before I went through my dissertation, but I, what I have noticed and in, in listening to you talk about like career education, career development for high school students, there are teachers out there. My husband is also a teacher and he calls it um, having 25 years of teaching the same year, 24 times, right? Like you, wow. you teach oh, one way and then you just keep yeah. doing that same stuff. And I okay. see that at the college level as well. I laugh because I worked with faculty members who would have already had like overhead projector slides that they made like back in the 80s, 70s and 80s, right? Um, From their legal pad notes before we had the overhead projector. And then the computers came and we got different ways of doing presentations like PowerPoint. Yep. So many of them took those power or those overhead projector slides to a secretary and said, oh, Type no. this in. Yeah, yeah. So they've been using those PowerPoint slides for a hundred years. And then learning management systems came, Blackboard, Canvas, Angel, all that stuff. Interesting. They just uploaded them up and they're like, now I teach online. Oh gosh. Yeah, right. right. And I oh, like, no. no, actually that you don't. Yeah, right. <laughs> and now I look at the K through 12. It was not long ago, like, um, States and the federal government said, oh, we're going to break everything into career clusters. So you just got a bunch of K through 12 people together and mainly high school teachers that have are teaching the same things they've always taught. They just change the title or label it as this. Like we really have not changed what and how we're doing things for this new set of learners. Yeah, that's so So, good. Oh, it's, yeah, it's a great explanation, but it's a horrible situation. Yeah, it's a horrible reality, but you articulate it well. Well, and then on top of that, so on top of like taking something really old and antiquated and putting a new title on it, now we have these young people who have all this access to information, not knowledge or wisdom, but information. Yes. And you have helicopter parents who Mm -hmm. are all up in everything, right? So this is like a perfect storm of I think truly needing the level of personalized 
um, approach and system that you have. Like, I just, I've been so impressed with our conversations about it. And I, I love when I asked you, I said, like, what's the age limit? Because I was really hoping I could make my son start doing it right now. But you said like 15 to 18. Sure. Can you kind of talk like, how did you land on that age range? Yeah, that's a great question. So, so, um, you know, the, 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 uh, the challenge or the problem of career confusion is experienced by many different niches, many different groups. Uh, so, so it's a common problem. Um, and I've thought through, you know, who, what are other pockets of people or niches who really have this as, as a pressing issue in their lives? So um, military personnel, you know, people coming out of the military and, and coming into civilian life, that, that's a huge issue. I've researched it and I know and my, my, I mean, every one of these people I'm going to name these groups, like I've had such a like a heart for of saying like, wow, like I know this is such a legitimate struggle and, and what I'm doing can help. OK, so it's been a heartfelt consideration of each of these groups. I'm not dismissing any of them as, you know, it's not legit and and, uh, you know, they're not worth considering. They, they certainly are. Uh, so so military personnel, things like. Um, so, yeah, so <clears throat> moms who were, you know, full-time stay-at-home moms, which my wife told me when she became one of those, I had to label her a domestic oh, engineer. Yes. 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 So she made that very clear. So, if anyone asked what she does, I say she works full-time as a domestic engineer. So we have started watching Supermarket Sweep on Netflix and it's from like the nineties. It's a game show from the nineties. And every okay. single time that there's a stay at home mom on there, she introduces herself as a domestic engineer. And my, she does 100%, and my son was like, what does that mean? So I said, well, what do you think it means? And he was like, well, domestic means United States. <laughs> oh, <laughs> a little no, farther okay, down, yeah. little more, and he finally got to home. That's and funny. I'm like, what about engineer? And he goes, well, don't they design things? And I'm like, well, who designs the home? And he's like, the builder? <laughs> oh, that's great. I'm totally like, different on, track. Yeah, I mean, great. we had like 20 minutes before he got to housewife. And he's like, why didn't she just say stay at home mom? I'm like, we didn't have those then. Like that's not, we didn't right. point that until much later, but yes, domestic engineer. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, she set me straight in the early nineties. Maybe that's, that's where the they got the, they, they, they heard her say it. <laughs> but yeah. So, you know, that's a great uh, area, you know, of, of where help mm-hmm. can be applied because there are moms who, you know, they, they had the the means and had the passion to invest full time and, the home and parenting, a lot of homeschool uh, moms, and, and they get to the age where their kids are grown and flown. And now they're saying, hey, what do I do with my life? Um, so that's another huge area of people, uh, people who are, I don't know if you're familiar with it, they call it a silver tsunami. It's, it's all these post 60 people who are retiring, but still have health, still have energy in life. And they're like, what do I do now? Do I just try to keep doing the same thing? Or you know, do I venture out? And so there's all these different people groups who really need career accurate, career guidance. But I stayed with 15 to 18 year olds because I said, where is the soul of this? Where is the story of mm-hmm. my work? Right? For a time, I had, I had developed a whole separate thing for millennials. And I was, you know, I started coaching millennials, getting millennial clients. I was experimenting with that. And then um, toward the end of last year, I said, I have to land somewhere. 
how do I decide, like, where am I going to focus? And I said, where is mm-hmm. the story? Where is the soul right. of this thing? The starting point. And it was my own journey as a young person. And really helping my son is what birthed all of what I'm doing now. So I said, that's what I'm going for. Do the other groups need it just as much? Absolutely. But I, I, I'm, I'm staying with where my passion has been, my history has been, and more importantly, the story Well, is. isn't that calming? And it's peaceful, right? Like you're not trying to constantly figure out how to add or how to communicate this or how to hook these people or how to reach this group. You just Absolutely. stay where you where your heart is and things happen yep. from there. I think that's well, and that, that allows me to further understand the parents that I'm serving and the young people. So I'm constantly learning and refining, um, you know, tweaking things that I do in my coaching because I'm only focused mm-hmm. on one group. So, you know, I'm, 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 you know, I'm not saying this in a bragging way, but I, I can become an expert in that one area because that's who has right. my attention. I'm not, I don't have a divided attention or four different, mm-hmm. very separate niches. It's just really caring for young people, caring for the parents, trying to help them and staying focused on them allows me to really listen because I'm not distracted and then, you know, take into account what I'm hearing and then respond accordingly. And you're right. It's very, it's very peaceful just saying, this is my focus. Could I be developing eight other things? You know, I'm a developer, I'm a pioneer, a strategist kind of guy. I would love to sit down and just endlessly Think of new thing, but I said, nope, I'm going to stay focused on this age because it's a passion and it's where the soul is. Right. It's oh, yeah. So also when we talked, one thing you said to me that was super intriguing and that, again, thought was great is that you don't accept every client that comes your way. For So Correct. talk a little bit about that, because I think that's really important, too, when you talk about living in your truth and and doing what's right for everyone involved, not just for your business. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, Anna, that's my heart is to, you know, really do right by uh, the, the the young people I'm serving. I mean, that's really much most important. That's why I got into this was to see impact, to actually solve the problem, not just say I have clients, but I want every young person that I work with to, to have this issue mm-hmm. solved. And so um, what's what's so unique about this work, Anna, as, as you know, there might be other listeners who have a service-based thing they do or coaching that's related to teenagers, to young people. And what's so unique about this is while your service is directly geared to help and to support a young person, but yet the parent has to be involved because they're usually in, in the ones that are funding, you know, this, this experience. And so it's a very real issue of the person who needs the, the actual service is the teenager, but you also have to really address the parents because they need to be on board. Well, sometimes what happens is the parent gets more on board with the idea than than the young person, you know? And so you you mentioned the H word, the Mm -hmm. helicopter parenting, you know, they see the value of this and they, you know, get into my Facebook group or we just start uh, chatting and they really love what I'm doing. You know, they, they gain a trust in me personally. We hit it off and they're like, oh, my kid has to do this. And I said, well, great. You know, and I always make sure we, you know, I, I want to interview the young person. So, you know, we jump on a call or a Zoom and I'm trying to look for that young person uh, to, to have a sense of, wow, like this is really weighing on me. The, the lack of clarity and the confusion that I have, I'm really deeply bothered by this. Like this is affecting me really negatively. 
And I, I have a decent degree of anxiety and stress and worry. And here's why, because if they don't have that internal angst about them having confusion, they're not going to be eager to seek the solution and to cooperate with the solution that I'm providing, which which involves, you know, a good amount. Yeah, I was going to say they're not going to want to do the work you've got laid out for them either. And that's not going to be help. Anybody. Exactly. Right. And, and, and I, I don't want to turn anybody away. I mean, that's that's not that's not my intent, but I know the, the, the condition that a, a student, a young person, a teenager has to be in in order for this to actually work. And so sometimes the parent is much more enthused about it. They're committed to it. And I get on a, a, a conversation or a call with a teenager and they're like, yeah, It'll be you fun. know, and so I'm like, well, you know, like, are, you know, like, give me some words that describe how you're feeling about not not being sure about what to do with the rest of your life after you graduate. Like, oh, it, you know, uh, it, it's not too bad. I'll probably figure it out. I'm like, okay. okay. <laughs> so I start very quickly getting a very different picture from, you know, based on what the, the young person's sharing with me from that of which I received from the parent who is like, oh, they, they need this. They're stressed. You know, this is crazy. Um, so, so that's, that's really, um, again, it's not, a, uh, it's not my heart to keep anybody out. No, but, but I'm but telling I, you that level of power and intention, I think, because I, I put that up against all of the emails and the Instagram, you know, entrepreneurs and everybody who's going to take everybody to the next level and you'll fit in this one size fits all and just fill out this form and get this white paper and come to my online course and you too will be, you know, like there's so much of that, that your sure. intention is what hit me that I thought this is somebody who is really, truly relational. And mm -hmm. gets that toxicity of, you know, a parent may be describing a lot of fear mm -hmm. and confusion, but it could be their own fear and confusion they're describing that. Oh, <laughs> and yeah. I just, I admire that about you so much. And I think that I, is the, the kind of what my podcast is about is like learning yourself, knowing yourself, accepting yourself, loving yourself, and then going out and sharing yourself. Because if you yeah, can wow. share yeah, that like wow. true sense of who you are, even if it was just a few people, mm -hmm. that is so authentic. Yeah, sure. And I, that is what you're doing in your business um, in your coaching. And I mean, it's, it almost seems like a ripoff to call it a business because it feels deeper than that. But I just, I think it's mm -hmm. so sure. incredibly um, authentic. And I think that's, you know, again, <laughs> I was that mom when you described all this, like, I want my son to do this, you know, and I just, I think it's so brilliant. So will you walk us through without giving away everything like that you do, but you have this incredible system. If you just kind of give us an overview of that, because again, I think the real power in it is what these one-on-one -on -one sessions that these young people have with you, but just this here for anybody, whether they have kids that are about to be um, 15 or 18 or for themselves, or just in general, there's a lot of really great stuff in the system that you have. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I, I can kind of just give an overview. Um, so, so like I, I said, like I I, I utilize a, a very unique assessment tool. Um, it was um, created by uh, SEMA International. I guess I don't know what 53 years is from this date, but it, it, it's a it's been around for a long time. So it is not my my. Uh, you know, my tool, it's just something that I, I had been exposed to, uh, back when I was in my late twenties. And I remember just being so, uh, uh, you know, impressed with it. 
because it broke the mold of all the assessment things that I'd ever seen. And so I won't go into detail about it, but just to say I, I use a tool. It's not my own. I just want to be clear about that. Um, I put together some, some processes that will take the results of the tool and then actually uh, help young people discern great career fits. So, so the coaching work that I do is really like there, there's four unique movements in the coaching. Uh, the first one is what we call uh, discover your design. And so that's where we use this unique story-based assessment tool to really help a young person understand how they're wired. But it's, it's an understanding of parts of their wiring that directly relate to career guidance. Okay, so there's there's many things that we can learn about ourselves that are like super cool, super interesting, whether, you know, it's the Enneagram or these other types of assessments. I mean, you can learn really cool stuff. Not everything that, you know, you can learn about your inner wiring relates to career guidance. So what we discern and what we can seek accurately through this assessment are these critical pieces of a teenager's inner wiring that really do have a direct bearing on career guidance. So we discover things like uh, their enjoyed aptitudes, which are very different from aptitudes because we all have things that we're actually good at, but we don't like right. doing. Well, this is able to differentiate between things you're, you know, you're good at and things you're good at and actually like doing. So uh, we can discover a teen's enjoyed aptitudes. We can discover uh, how their intrinsic motivation is both triggered and sustained, meaning we, we, can, we can actually see what needs to be present in a situation that will, that will activate them and will trigger them into action? And then what are the things that they need present to keep them enthusiastically engaged? And that's powerful when you can start really understanding the, the brushstrokes of a person's intrinsic motivation. Uh, that's super well, important. Discovering that at 15 or 16 or 17 or 18 is I mean, you talk about empowerment. I mean, you yeah, talk about absolutely. absolute game changer, life changing. I mean, yeah. discovering it when you're 30 or 40. Yeah, sure. <laughs> that's enlightenment, yeah. but that's not changing yeah. the direction of your life. So I just think that's fantastic. Yeah, so so that's the second thing. And then the third thing that we're able to discover in the discovery or design phase of the coaching is um, the, the primary the primary drive in a person that they are they are looking to have satisfied through their uh, efforts, through their 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 work, and so we all have like a primary thing that we're trying to satisfy with our effort. So for some people, what really gives them deep satisfaction is if they can work through a structured process to a clear end result, right? And just jumping through those hoops and getting to the the finish gives them that. Yes. You know, that deep sense of satisfaction. Some people aren't wired that way at all for their motivational payoff. They, they really need to be making an impact on something or shaping something or making a mark on something. They don't really care about moving through a process or reaching the goal. They just need to know at the end of the day that they are making an impact. So we, we can actually discover that aspect of a young person's internal wiring. So the discover your design phase allows them to discover their enjoyed aptitudes, their intrinsic motivation issues, and the satisfying payoff that they're looking for. Uh, then we move into phase two, which is what we call find your fits, the uh, 
fit is plural. It's an S at the end of that. So we help uh, students actually take the findings of who they are in those three areas. And then we show them how to find careers that would actually align with their design. So we show them how to find careers that would allow them to be using their enjoyed aptitudes. How do they find careers that have the elements of their intrinsic motivation? How do they find career options that will give them that payoff they need at the end of the day? And so so we actually have a process to help them discover a range of those kinds of fits, things that would really align, have a good degree of alignment. No career is ever perfect alignment, but, but a high degree of alignment. And then we also show them seven tweaking strategies of uh, what, what can you do if there's areas you're seeing that aren't a great fit? There's ways to actually think about tweaking those things so that they are a better fit for who you are and for your wiring. So as you so, have had experience doing this, what is what are you seeing in these young people when you by the time you get to this step? Like, are, are they just kind of just in awe of this whole thing? Are they over? I, I can't imagine somebody having these conversations with yeah. me when I was 16. <laughs> Yeah, that, that, that's a great question, Anna. And, and I mean, there's there's typically two like major responses. So so a- after they go through the assessment and they get the results back, one of the sessions we, we just kind of work through the assessment. You know, we just go over it. And uh, two two things usually happen. One is uh, parents because you know we encourage students to share this with their parents as well. But the student will say, "I kind of knew some of this about myself, but I didn't have the language for it." Yeah. Okay. So that that's one thing. They're 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 aware. They see their tendencies and these patterns that are part of their wiring. Because our wiring, our design, while it can certainly mature, it, it kind of stays a fixed constant, and 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 it's happening since birth, and it always finds ways to manifest itself. Right. So so they're aware. They they see patterns of themselves. So they'll often say, "I kind of knew that about myself, but I just didn't have language." The other thing which gets me excited is when they're like, oh my gosh, like I didn't even think about myself that way. Now that I see it, I can look back and see a whole bunch of other things in my life. And this totally makes sense. Wow. wow. Is right. <laughs> right. And that that's oh, yeah. super cool because what it does is it empowers young people to go forward, not only in their career. I mean, we use these assessment results for career guidance, but but it's it's who they are. It has so many implications oh. that we don't oh, even yeah. get like, into. But. For days we'd be here. Because I think empowerment, when I was standing in front of the high school classroom and I mentioned this golden ticket you know, thing for the first time, it was really empowerment. That's what I was trying to do is empower these young people. But the empowerment they needed was to be able to express themselves. Like when you said, I don't have the words because they take on, like, I want to go to this college because that's where my friend's going, or I'm going to go to this school because my parents went there. I think I'm going to study accounting because my dad and my uncle did, you know, (laughs) they're, they're they're glomming (laughs) on to like the familiar or they got a bunch of people like teachers, counselors, parents, shooting all over them. Oh, you're so bright. You should go to law school. You're so good at this. You should go do this. And it's not, it's not coming from them. Yeah. yeah. No, I love it. By the way, I don't know if shooting on yourself <laughs> is original to you, but I want to tell you that in addition to the many things I learned from your podcast, which I love and I oh, do learn thank from you, you um, 
I have used that so many times. And people, they look at me for this. They're like, what? I said, no. I, I said, shooting on yourself. On yeah, right. Exactly. But it, 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 it's a it's a conversation stopper and a head turner mm-hmm. for sure. And I, I'm just giving you the I've been giving you the credit <laughs> for it. So I don't know. If you got it. You don't even have to tell me. I'll just keep giving you the credit. But I'm like, oh, that is I've so been good. saying and it for so long to these kids. I, I don't even know where it came from. And I well, I'm picking up other things. There's other little <laughs> things that you always say. I'm like, oh, that's such an honorism. I'm calling them honorisms. <laughs> yeah, I have a, I have I a couple of friends who've listened and said, we could have been playing really good drinking games or something this whole time because you keep saying the same things over and over and over again. I'm like, oh, well, in case crazy. somebody misses one episode, they got to catch the lesson in the next one or something. I don't know. But Absolutely. It's always full of great content. I appreciate I love that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so but I interrupted your flow again, but you were going through um, the, the next step yes, of the so, fits. Yeah, so discover your design, find your fits. And uh, and then the next thing we do is uh, is something called um, chart your course. And so this, this is really fantastic. Like, um, I, it's, it's, oh man, yeah, I'm like thinking of the words <laughs> to use because I, I, it's so out of the box and it's so countercultural, but it's so practical and it's so good. So there are positions that we identify as as pretty decent fits through phase two, and some of them don't require a degree. So so there's a couple of times that some of the two young ladies in particular that I've worked with over the years, they really um, thought, we we found that event planning and coordinating would be like a really good fit for them. It it had a high degree of alignment with the different pieces of their uh, wiring, and it was a good fit. So you know, we, we then start talking about, okay, uh, charting your course is about the best way to gain career readiness for this position. Career readiness being defined as the essential, uh, the core knowledge, essential skills, and the critical experience that you need for higher ability for career readiness, mm-hmm. right? So this is a great example of a position that doesn't require a degree, but you can certainly go find a college that has a four-year degree in event planning and coordinating. So what do you do, right? It, the degree is not necessary, but there is a college major. And a lot of times the default mode is, well, the college must know what they're talking about because they have a major. And so I'll just go to the college and get the degree and it will adequately provide career readiness for me. Um, and so uh, th- that's certainly one option. But when you're talking about a position that doesn't require a degree, there are actually other ways, sometimes actually better than just going off to an institute of higher learning to gain the career readiness. So I teach clients what's called a portfolio path. So a portfolio path is a structured, ordered process of gaining core knowledge, essential skills, and the critical experiences, and capturing all those things in a digital portfolio that you can use alongside a traditional resume. So it's literally showing young people how to craft an intentional path for career readiness when they don't have to rely on or need a college degree for this fit that we determine. Okay. And so 
there are students that have used a portfolio path for actual career readiness and have gone from a portfolio path into applying for work and have been hired. Because you know why? They've done more work in the area that they're trying to get hired in than somebody who's been at a four-year institution. 100% skill, it, soft skills and experience. Right. Because nobody's hiring anybody to be a student. <laughs> if, if you right. can't match that college experience with actual experience... I would hire that young person with the portfolio all day. Sure. And, 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 there, and, and the, the other thing that's super, uh, you know, advantageous of this is even if a young person was going off to college, if I get a sophomore in high school, okay, and we identify a, a, a fit, you know, something that has a high degree of fit for them, it's worth pursuing. And they still have two years of high school left, but they need a degree. So they're going to be going to college. They can spend the next two years of high school doing a portfolio path, not because it will necessarily get them actually ready for a career because they have to earn a degree, but they could go into college so ahead of the game because they'll have had two years where they're chipping away at these things and building a digital portfolio. So even though they're not going from portfolio path into a career, they'd be going from a portfolio path into college, but there's still so much uh, benefit of doing well, that. Well, and like and you so, and I met through Betsy with High School Hamster Wheel, correct. who started her whole oh, yes. thing hey. because high school is so confusing. Do I take AP classes? Do I take dual credit? Do I need this kind of diploma? Do I need that kind of diploma? Should I do an intern? All of that is getting more confusing and convoluted. And I think yep. the power you're right. giving them with this portfolio is to say, okay, I know I'm going to a college and I know I'm going to need these types of preparation for these classes that I have to take. Here's what I should be doing. Yeah. I mean, it yeah. just makes yeah. everything so much more of, yes, yeah. so, so good. good. Yeah. Yeah. And so and w- what it does too is it... um it, it really focuses in on learning and experiences that are going to matter. How, how many times, I mean, if there are parents listening today, we've all heard our kids say, that's so stupid. Why do I have to learn that? I'm never going to use that again in my life. And you know what? Listen, they're right. They are <laughs> 110% now, right. Now, now there's character qualities that develop from grit and doing things you don't want to do. I'm, I'm all for that. That's how I parented my kids. However, at the end of the day, the larger issue that they're speaking to, uh, you know, they are correct. And so the thing about a portfolio path is that everything on that portfolio path actually matters. And and here's why. So we create a portfolio path by starting with the actual position. Okay. Not the general field, but the position. So event planner and coordinator, we actually start with that position and then we reverse engineer the whole process. So we start with the position, event planner, coordinator, and we say, okay, uh, we build what we call a career profile. So we literally ask three questions. What are the, what's the core knowledge I'm going to need to do this position effectively? That's column one. Column two, what are the essential skills I need to develop to do this position well? And column three is, what, what are the core experiences I'm going to need to go into that position well and really be attractive in the hiring process. Okay. So that's called a career profile. We actually build the profile directly from the position in those three columns of knowledge, skill, and experiences. Then we say, how do you get those? 
How do you gain? How do you, in essence, like if you picture those three columns, how do you start checking that stuff off that you've learned it or developed it or have experienced it? Well, there's online, all kinds of online learning. Okay, massive MOOCs, massive open mm-hmm. online courses, stuff from Skillshare, Udemy, all of these standalone courses now that experts in the field are creating, like that's just super focused on a, a piece of knowledge or a skill. So online learning is one way. Uh, Short term strategic internships, not not traditional internships that are in a place you want to be working eventually or this a type of place, a kind of place where, you know, it's not about getting your foot in the door or experiencing the actual position. These are internships that are specifically short term unpaid that will allow you to check something off your list. And I teach clients how to actually craft and pitch an internship proposal if there's a place they want to be that doesn't have a formal process, right? But it's very specific. They're saying, I've identified a place, and if I can do an internship there, I'll be able to get this element or these elements checked off on my career profile, and they'll be part of now my portfolio path. So they're very specific. They're not the more general, traditional understanding of an internship. It's to get something on their career Which I think as an employer or a mentor, that's what you want someone to come to you with. You want like, here are my bullet points. Here is what I want to get out of coming here to this place with you for the next six weeks or whatever that looked like. Like I need these things. And because that's reassuring to the person that's taking on the, the intern. Oh yeah, I can do this for you. Like I know exactly what I can do. I mean, I try and tell people that all the time you have to come with your specific needs and goals and then people will just be able to help you so much easier. Yep. You're, you're spot on on it. And and the, the other part I add to that is uh, I tell I tell clients, you know, if you find a place that you want to do this short term specific unpaid internship and you're crafting the proposal, not only is it being specific about what you want to get out of it and the nuts and bolts of, you know, how many days a week, how many hours, all that stuff. But the other important thing is I say, research the organization or the, the shop or the store or the and know how you can contribute to them. Right. So it's not just I'm clear on what I want to get out of it, but I've already studied who you are and what you do. And here's what I bring to the table. Here's what I see myself doing. So I'm adding value to you while I'm there. You're paying me not in money. You're paying me in the knowledge or the skill refinement or the experience that I'm strategically using in my portfolio path. But, but I want to be adding value. Well, and it doesn't have to be during that experience either. I used to try and teach my students this. If you are trying to have a mentor that works in a very seasonal business, you want to work with them in your, like on your personal development and professional development in their off season. So they're not busy, but can you volunteer and show up later in the on season, like during their busy season and just pitch in and that's like yeah. an exchange. That's like everybody's that's awesome. providing value and everybody's showing up for the other person. We all walk that's away really from good. that with a story to tell about one another. And that's important, I think. Yeah. yeah. Now, I hadn't thought about that. I'm going to have to think of more, like maybe even adding that into oh, what I, I suggest. I'm, yeah, I'm, because I you know what that. you're doing it's there good. is you're planting the seeds of a relationship, which is not technically why right. you're having this young person enter into this 
internship, but ultimately sure. that's the skill you want to teach. And also right. what you want to cultivate is, you know, providing value. It may not be in this exact moment because that's the other thing that's, that's so correct. hard for young people. Even college students is like, what can I, I can't provide any value. What can I do? And yeah, you, they'd right. be so surprised. No, that's really good, Ani. Yeah. And, and actually I, I do teach in all this, uh, the idea of all this interaction that you're doing, even like in the research phase that uh, I didn't get into, but researching the prospective career that looks like a fit. We do a very deep dive analysis uh, and research of the position and they're, you know, doing informational interviews and stuff. So I, I, I really teach my clients, this is the beginning of your network. And I teach them, you know, the, the fundamentals of networking, how to keep contacts warm throughout the next several years, follow up little emails, you know. So I think it is like the relational component is huge and they have so much access in the things that they're doing to really have uh, the beginnings of a very phenomenal, uh, you know, network. Well, so, nobody's modeling um, that for them. That is not what no, K-12 no, no. schools are about. That is not necessarily what most academics at a college level are working on. Yeah. So I think that yeah. is so important. That's again, I get so excited yeah, it, about all these things that you're doing. <laughs> no, it's, it's super strategic and um, yeah, it's really good. So, so the, the, the portfolio path, you know, how do you get those things? It's the online learning. It's the, it's these very unique kinds of internships. And then the third thing is mentorships. And again, like the internship that I'm talking about, the mentorship is not this indefinite lifelong general, just life mentor. It's super specific. So in, in the internship, you're identifying places that could give you something on your list. In the mentorship, you're identifying people who can give you something on your list. So you identify someone to say, hey, they're really knowledgeable about this. This subject is one of the things that I've identified is stuff I need to know for the position I'm heading into they can help pass that information on to me. So I want to bring them on board as one of my mentors, right? So again, I teach the clients how to craft and pitch a short-term strategic relationship with this person. So like the internship, it includes uh, what are you looking to get out of it very specifically, the duration of it, how it's going to look, the meeting frequency and all those kinds of things. So the person receiving it isn't wondering, what exactly am I committing right. to? Like forever until their forties, they want me to check in with them once a week. You know, like what? What is? This? Oh, do I have to hire um, them at some point? Yeah, well, and exactly. I'm listening to this, and I think this sounds like a lot of work for these young people. But that you have to remember, this comes on the end of this self discovery. I yes, would imagine correct. for a teenager, this is the height of their like level of self interest, and I can't yeah. imagine how pumped they are. And yeah. and how they can use that as yeah. like just mo intrinsic motivation, most of all. But I, I can't. I mean, I, I think, again, as an educator, that's what you want is for them to see the mm -hmm. big picture and how it fits, how they fit into it so they can go yeah. out and do the yeah. work. And you really just Absolutely. have to do this one on one, which it's hard. Yeah. It's yeah. And, and, you know, it is a lot of work, but, you know, every step is, you know, there, you know, there's instruction, there's coaching. Uh, I do the training, there's worksheets. I'm an, I'm a worksheet, I'm a worksheet crazy mm -hmm. guy, but here's why it's because sometimes you can have a, a, a step one and step two, and it's too big of a leap mm -hmm. and people get lost going from this part to this part. 
And so I'm always evaluating in the students that I work with, is there too much of a gap here without any worksheet or additional step to help really make sure they're moving along well? So I monitor that. I mean, and, and my clients know once they start a relationship with me, they have access to me 24-7. Like they can call me, they can text me. I give them my personal information. You know, it's to say, hey, this is about making sure this is successful for you and you come out of this with the results I know it can get. Yeah. So, and that's by the way, why when you think about the workload, the student has to feel the pain of being lost because this is going to take work. Right. And they have they have assignments every week they have to send me and I look it over and then it gets scrutinized and you know it's work, but it produces something at the end that's life-changing and that truly does give them direction. And so the uh, the chart your course, that's that's the third part. And then the fourth part is what we call manage your mindset. And it's actually kind of the culminating piece that is so important for young people because they can have this self-awareness. They can have the skills to actually use the self-awareness to find fits. But if they have nagging negativity about themselves that's untrue and unfounded, that they give power to, it will actually self-sabotage them. They, they will not move forward because they're believing stuff that is not lining up with reality. It's perception. And they will be so overcome with it and they'll give it the power they believe in it. And then it actually affects the decisions. Well, and they also are young and live in the absolute moment that they're in with the people For that sure. are with them. So if, if oh, yeah. you are with your friends and your peer group has done nothing like this, it's easier to lean their direction than to try and pull them all your direction. I've watched this concept a million times. Like, I've got the really yeah. smart kids in high school who okay. acted the dumbest. And I'd be huh. like, what are you doing? And they'd say, well, yeah. it's not going to do me any good. My friends will make fun. You know, like this whole peer pressure thing is real. Yeah. So I think that what you're discussing there is like a shield over them. Yeah, it's sure. so yeah. important. So important. You have you have really thought of, I, as I listen to you describe all this, I think back of, you know, eight years of teaching high school students. And I would not have been, I mean, as close as I was to them, I would not have been able to put something as brilliant as this together. You have really thought of just so many really important concepts in this. Yeah. It, honestly, it's just been through working with so many young people and um, just watching all this stuff firsthand and just saying, you know, the mindset piece I added two years ago, because when I was first doing my work, I was realizing like, you know, because I, I always I typically check back with my students. I have students that, have, you know, six years ago, my my original pilot group, and they're now in the careers that mm -hmm. we identify as fits and, and they're doing fantastic. But uh, sometimes when I would circle back around with uh, you know, clients who completed the process, I, I was just seeing that they they weren't able to really believe the truth about themselves as had been revealed in the assessment and the work we did. And so they were still getting like stuck with the nagging negativity. Oh, you're such a blank. Oh, you're too blank. Oh, that can never happen because you're blank. Right. And even though the evidence that came out from the assessment that they affirmed is actually true because they could see it all over other parts of their life, they had the truth, 
but they there was no process to help them replace these patterns of, of wrong thinking in their minds. So they were like ingrained. So there'd be a trigger circumstance and right away it would kick up this wrong way of thinking. And they'd say, you see, you right? see, that is, Oh, this is, it's not true. <laughs> Look at me. So, I can't even sit still while you're saying all of that, because I saw that with high school students. Then I left to go teach college and I thought, they're just older, but they're going through that exact same thing. Wow. They're going yep. through that codependency. They're go- I mean, they're going through all of the exact same thing, that limiting everything. And then I thought, okay, clearly <laughs> that high school to college is my niche, right? Like these are the people I should be talking yeah. to. Then I start teaching these MBA students and I'm like, what? You're here for the wrong, like the good portion of them, they're for the wrong reasons. Because wow. everything you're talking about is triggers. They would end up working in the wrong role, in the wrong culture, in the wrong whatever, because of these limiting beliefs. They took the first job yes, that came yeah. their way, or they listened to somebody say, oh, you should go work for this bank, or you should go work over here. And then they're like, well, now I'm going to have to go get another degree because we all default back to education because of Absolutely. how we were raised. And, oh, I, I listened to all that. And I think, OK, well, that, I could almost assign episodes to everything you said, because it's not just these young people. It's 40 year olds that are going through the same oh. stuff. But what you're talking about it, are breaking cycles and empowering young people and well those said. mindsets yes. to not yep. fall into that trap to ever have to try and crawl out of it later. Or that's a good picture. Like being a parent. I mean, mm-hmm. I think I'm a very probably over intentional parent because of having been a teacher. My poor kid, he's probably like a petri dish of just all kinds of mental issues because of his dad and I like bringing home all these like student stories. But oh my goodness, you are doing the work that so many therapists are out there trying, or you know, career coaches are trying to do with with sure. you know forty year olds. It's fantastic. Yeah. Oh yeah, I found that with you know, uh, you know, it's funny because when I was doing my work, <clears throat> I would have parents say to me, "Hey." Does this work for right. adults? I I still don't know what I'm doing, and, and like I literally had so many people asking me that that I developed a whole part of this, uh, a whole version of this called Love Your Life Work for uh, older adults. And uh, you know I tinkered with that for a while, but you know again, like I said, my passion is young people. That that's kind of what I what I promote and what I'm about. Um, I, but, but there are still occasions when I'll get, you know, someone will reach out to me and they're in their thirties or forties and I, I'll, I'll work with them. I won't turn anyone away, but it's not who I focus on. And same thing. I mean, but the older you get, the more of these uh, nagging negativities uh, latch onto you. Well, and you've got all you, these patterns. Like you've right, and then too right. much. Yeah. Right. It's just, yeah, you have more years of these wrong beliefs and wrong reactions that become ingrained. And, you know, there's just more labels that you put on yourself that are false, more labels that you put, you let others stick on you that you keep that I, that, that shape your identity. So there's just, there's just more time to adopt these false ways of thinking and then to have pattern responses from them. And there's a lot more to unearth. Well, and you're in the business of prevention, not the business of treatment, right? I think catching these teenagers, you're preventing 
the future that most adults have had through, again, I mean, it's no fault of anyone's own. It's just a product of how you were raised, the emphasis we put on education, changes in the workforce, all the different things that we probably weren't ready for necessarily, but it's so powerful. So how long does this last? Uh, so the coaching process is, um, I mean, there are different packages that that people can buy. I try to orient some things in a way that would just not force people to have to get parts of it that they really don't want. So it's broken down, but but the full package is is uh, ten weeks. It's ten weeks. It's a like a one hour to one hour and fifteen minute uh, Zoom session every week with with students. There's a version that parents uh, can opt for that includes them more that will give them a summary of what we've done. It, it just, uh, they get a debrief at the end as a parent. So there's uh, some room, you know, some options for parents to be more involved. But uh, I always tell parents, if you don't have the kind of relationship with your teenager where they're totally cool with you hanging out with us, don't, don't come on because you'll ruin it and it won't work. Mm-hmm. So a lot of parents wisely opt to just kind of stay out of it. And I encourage students and clients, hey, share this with your folks at this stage. Like, this would be great to talk to your parents about. Share with them. So I try to turn the students, you know, back into the relationship with their parents for sure. But, um, yeah, so it's 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 normally like the whole blown deal is 10 weeks with uh, like an hour or so chat each week. And probably two to three hours of homework in between sessions. It's brilliant. And I've thoroughly enjoyed being in your Facebook group, too. I mean... Oh yeah, hey, it's great having you. And um, you know, I'm on a little hiatus. It's been hard. I'm trying to um, figure out my getting my social back in my social media instead of my uh, my attitude, my angst. But um, so I have a you have a post in there right now about love language, and I was like, oh, and I wanted that was on my phone, and I was like, I'll go back later. <laughs> oh, that's fun to do. Yeah, you you guys should do it as a family. Oh, we yeah, have. Super. Oh, believe. Are you kidding? Yeah. <laughs> That's great. My poor child took 16 personalities in the sixth grade, and that opened up some sort of like dam around here. We are all like forever being like, well, that's because dad's, you know, acts of service. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the one, you know, danger of those it things is. is you just gotta, you label everyone and you're like, oh, you're such a. Whatever. Right. Well, yeah. And Jack came downstairs. I don't think he wants me to know he listens to my podcast. I don't know that he does it right. I, probably because he doesn't want the expectation. But he came down one day and he okay. was like, Mom, you talked for a really long time about those assessments. <laughs> it's like, does it make you feel better? I just don't do it at the kitchen table with you. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah I oh, get it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah. Um, so major gear switch. But you have also been good in my group and um, have made a couple comments I want to visit in the conversations with Anna Facebook group. And the first one was, and you asked me about it the other day when we were messaging back and forth, how's your journal going, journaling going? And Mm -hmm. it's been hard for me to journal because I think of how I journaled when I was younger was more like a diary and a tell-all and a pour-it-all-out and a chronological thing. Yeah. And now I've gotten into like bulleting and just kind of framing things. But then you were like, remind me to talk to you about another form of journaling I'm doing called harvesting. I want to hear about this. Yeah. Harvesting is not, it's not necessarily a form of journaling. And I, I, I think that one of the reasons that many people don't benefit from journaling is because they have preconceived notions of what they think it is. 
And, and, you know, I've been journaling for decades and uh, actually the way I journal changes sometimes. Um, so I don't ever put myself in any kind of constraint regarding a format of journaling. I just do it. Um, and it's so helpful, so helpful on many fronts. But uh, harvesting is something I learned many years ago. And you, when you start a journal, you leave the first five or six pages blank. And that's going to become your index. Oh. Okay. And then you actually make sure all your pages are numbered, or I just number every other page, up at the corner. And then like every week or every two weeks, you basically take time to go back into your journal, reflect and harvest out of it things that you feel are like super significant. And then you write those in the index, you write the topic, and then you write the page number. So this way, at the end of every, you know, if you do an annual journal or just when the book runs out, and you know, like, there's such, like, there is profound stuff in here. You don't have to flip through 120 pages to find it. You just go right to your index. That is brilliant. Right? And so I believe journals are a tool. Uh, you know, it, it, they're important. So I've just loved coming into that because I can go, th- I have like, I mean, I'm looking up at my, I have like six of my journals just laying around. I could go and show you the index page of, in every one of them. And very quickly, I can get to the stuff that was most significant uh, you know, in the journal. So every couple of weeks you have a little time, get away, you know, your happy place and you just do some reflection, introspection, but also harvesting and, and indexing. So here's why I think this, is, I mean, it's brilliant on a million levels, but I, this bullet journaling thing I've been super intimidated by because I've watched these young girls in my classes have 19 uh, highlighters and 14 color gel pens and 22 pages of where they've drawn out their, you know, inspirational quote and the next pain they've done their whole. And I'm like, okay, I can't do that. And yes. I broke my paper planner thing a long time ago. I'm all electronic. So I'm watching them like try and design their life in these floral prints that they're, cre- and I'm like, yeah, no, I'm not doing any of that ever. <laughs> and then they see each other and like, I'm see your journal. And then they compare and I'm thinking, okay, that's not really journaling. This is like art projects. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I've right. had all these, like, like- yeah. And I've had <laughs> these weird like definitions of things in my head. But I, this whole like concept of just writing down lists or writing down. So I think one of the reasons I'm so enjoying my podcast and it's fit into my life to do it is I research these topics and then I start reflecting on my life or I um, had one yesterday about codependency. And I was like, that is my mom. Like I felt closer to my mom. (laughs) Like I I mean, (laughs) you describing that to me, I'm thinking, Oh my gosh, like how impactful that would be when you're on a real true self, just like self empowerment or just anything. Oh, Oh, that's fantastic. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. It's not original. I, I I forget where I picked it up, but somebody shared that with me, and I I started implementing oh. it. You know, once I, it's been super. But that's helpful. almost like just enough of a system, and just enough of outcomes for me to buy in, <laughs> for me to really I give into that. Like it feels like journaling yeah. for a purpose. I yeah. love that. Yeah, I think that's really good. And you know, again, journaling can have many purposes. It can change purpose. It can tr- methodologies can change. It's. I just think that the discipline of, of doing it, and I have two journals. I, I have like a life spirituality journal, and then I have like just a hardcore business journal. Mm-hmm. So 
And I, I literally, I'll wake up in the middle of the night with ideas about business stuff and I keep my journal by my bed. So I have something to write it down and uh, conversations I have, events that go on that are significant people. I, I kind of track all that stuff in a business journal. And then my spiritual journal, just more like introspection, my you know spiritual disciplines that are important to me and things that are really more like life and introspection. So I found it helpful to to break the two out because um, they're just, they're different enough for me. I mean, I'm not, you know, my whole life is integrated. I'm not saying it's not related, but the kinds of things I'm doing in my kind of like business, business journal are a little different. So the purposes were different enough where I just, it's worked for me to have two separate journals. One's a hardcover. So I know which one Mm -hmm. that is and one's a soft cover. So that's just my I while we were you know getting into this conversation, I was thinking, okay, journaling is something I was should all over myself over, right? Like you should be journaling more. You should do this. You start it. You should finish it. You should do it. But then you mentioned the discipline piece, and that is not an expectation of yourself in the wrong areas. That is a gift to yourself, right? Mm. Like that spiritual piece or whatever it is that you yeah, are wanting to really kind of. Um, process and be intentional about that's a gift. And I think that's, that's a great way of thinking about it. I never thought about that way, a gift more than a discipline. Well, and I that, think that, yeah, a lot of the nice. discipline that I lack or need or focus on in my life are really for my health and my benefit. And they're mm. the good things. They're things I need to think of as a gift to myself. Um, it's kind of how I've been it. trying to process that, but <laughs> uh, that's really good. I love that perspective. Yeah, it's really so, good. So yeah, it's an investment. So I, I'm yeah. taking, I'm doing, yeah. I'm starting that today. I love that. I love that. I'm so glad yeah. I asked you about that on this. Yeah, try it. Yeah, I'd love to know oh, what I, you think and how it helps. Yeah, that'd be cool. <laughs> Listen, when I, you know, you're you're a woman, so you know, men's journaling is like a whole nother thing because it's like it's typically that's a woman's right. thing, you know. It's, it's so I, I had to get over that hurdle. Right. I, I, fine. But yeah, we need like, like a, like a grunt journal, you know, like, <laughs> we need one to come to like, like um, duct tape and. <laughs> oh yeah. Just, yeah. Just looking. Looking. I haven't gotten there yet, but I like that. I think I'll just slap a piece on just for fun. Cause you mentioned right. it. That's great. Like, like nothing cute. This is very like um, functional. Some grease smears on it. Yeah. Some grease smudges and yeah, I love it. <laughs> Lay it next to the tape measure and things like that. That's where my yeah. husband would think that was better. Um, okay. So the other thing that you said that everybody had a big aha moment about is we were talking about trusting your gut. And some mm. people just act like you just trust your gut and everything will be fine. And then you got other people that are like, mm, I don't like it. And you drop this like truth bomb about these two different, you know, approaches to that. And we were all kind of like, man, yes. So talk to me about that. Cause that was so good. Oh yeah. Trusting your gut. Huh. <laughs> Do you need me to go back and read to you what you said? Cause it was brilliant. <laughs> no, I, I, I think I, I think I know the gist of it. I'm sure you um, do, because it seemed like you were just like, yeah, yeah, here's how this works. And we were all like, oh, because I don't know why we all thought there was only just one gut path. But you were like, yeah, right, there's path. a fork in this road. <laughs> That's a great phrase, a gut path. Yeah. See, Anna, you come up with all this stuff. It's part of your edutainer um, yeah. wiring and gifting. Is you, you, you take the things that we say that are just more clinical and you put the life <laughs> life vibe. <laughs> See, I feel like that's, I tell Betsy and all these, Ashley, all these people all the time, like, I think it would be, just be good for me to have appointments with you guys every month <laughs> or every well, couple hey, I weeks. Hey, I, yeah, absolutely. In fact, if you, if we want to book right now in front of everyone on the air, 
I want an appointment with you every, every month. month. And then what? sometimes we can go live. I mean, sometimes we can share it with other people. Other times, I mean, we had amazing conversations, just the two of us. Yeah, I'm it, down because that this to me is energizing. It's so good. Yeah. Same here. I'm raising my hand even I'm though there. people can't I'm see. I'm there. Yep. We just took a pledge. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so the gut thing, uh, you know, I, I think there, there's like a true version of intuitive discernment that comes from a lot of experience and a handful of proven principles. Okay. So, so we, we go into a new context, a new situation and we don't go in as a blank slate. We don't go in as tabula rasa, right? We, we go in with, you know, a whole history. And so I think what, what at times is like, oh, your gut feeling, it's not really like coming out of nowhere. It's coming out of a lot of experience and a handful of proven principles that maybe almost automatically we just start applying and bing, a light goes on and we kind of say, hey, my gut is saying this, right? And, and that's basically in the absence of maybe hard truth or evidence in the current situation. Right. So I think that's that's what we tend to call like the gut feel is like that intuitive discernment in the absence of solid, concrete evidence or data in the current situation at hand. Right. right? But but we're bringing stuff into that. Now, I think there is a good version of that where it is intuitive discernment. I think there's a bad version of that where it's it, it's 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 biased prejudices. Again, formed from past experience and just who we are. So or who we think, think we are, who we believe ourselves to be. Sure. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Right. So, so we, we bring that forward with us. And if we're if we have experiences that have shaped our biases or prejudices, then then, you know, our gut, so to speak, could be speaking out of that. And I think that's unhealthy and that's dangerous. Right. So we, we are we are so unaware, honestly, of how we've been shaped and how we've been shaped is always brought to the process of interpretation. Whether we're interpreting something we're reading, we're interpreting an experience that we're having, like we bring a truckload of us to that process. And again, it could be good if there is great experiences and we have a working knowledge of this because we've been around that mountain Mm -hmm. 10 times and we have proven principles, but it can be negative because we have some biases or, or things that have been shaped in us that really aren't healthy to be bringing into this current context. Which I think should be why you should ask yourself, why am I comfortable listening to my gut right now? And why, or why am I not? I'm, I'm very big about like questioning yourself yeah. all the time, because I think oh, if you're good. super confident and one of the ladies in there that was like, no, I had a doctor. She said a doctor said this to her daughter one time, and that's kind of just been their family thing. I have no doubt those people in that family, I know them well, are the best versions of themselves and challenging one another to be that way. Like I would go 100% with that. There are other people in there that were probably very chaotic childhood and very poor choices as an adult who if they said to me, I'm just going to trust my gut, I'd be like, oh, (laughs) in which direction? (laughs) If your gut is telling you to turn right, I'm hoping you're at least glancing to the left because I don't... (laughs) And those people sometimes that lack that intuition that you're talking about or that experience or that trust and love and acceptance of themselves, I think just use that gut as the wrong filter to use. So I, yeah, I think that's, and I think that's why I even brought that up that day is because 
I'm so passionate about people really, truly discovering and understanding and loving and accepting themselves that I don't think you can get to that real true gut or that intuition and rely on your experiences until you trust yourself and you can listen to yourself then. Yeah. Well, and I, I think too, like I've learned in my life over the years that um, it, it, it's really super healthy to have like check gut instincts in community. Mm. You know, so I, I have a tremendous group of community around myself um, people that I literally have said at times, Hey, I'm kind of sensing and discerning this. This is like, kind of like what it feels like my gut reaction in the absence of clear data or evidence. What, what give me some pushback, you know? And I think testing gut feelings in community of people that we love and trust that have our best interest in mind is, is a great way to, you know, still have something maybe take place because of a gut feeling and intuition discernment that we had but but it didn't go just from us to the implementation it went from us a checkpoint in community and and then an implementation i, I think okay. the situation still benefiting from our initial intuition and discernment but it kind of got checked through some other people right you know before we they ran with it. So I found that to be very helpful, you know, in my, in my own journey. But again, that's understanding who you are and who you are with that you have mm. to trust yourself before you can hand that over to somebody else and you have to For be sure. with the right people. And I, again, so this, this um, age group that you work with, they have, you know, friends, they've got thousands of friends, you know, and, and the mm-hmm. clicking of the button and the accepting of the, request that's a friend and i've got Mm -hmm. all these friends but for them to do that with that loose definition of who these people are and they don't really know themselves so how do these people know them i think what you're talking about again is that friendship that i am so passionate about and that is when you bring yourself and they bring Mm -hmm. themselves and then you have that level of just authenticity and trust and you can say to them and they feel comfortable saying to you this doesn't yeah. feel like you, or this doesn't seem yeah, like the right thing, or I'm, I'm not sensing from you that this is healthy. Like those are the mm-hmm. people that you really want to surround yourselves with. Yep. And it's hard. It's in the age of, you know, um, connectivity, mm-hmm. that's not really relational to go to those depths of soul sharing with people and that you would receive that from and be comfortable mm-hmm. with. That's rare, you know, to, I think I forget the exact quote. I think someone once said, "To be known is a luxury." Oh yeah, to truly be known, to know and be no, known yeah. at a level of intimacy that I believe we were all created for. You know, of human intimacy mm-hmm. with each other, like that's so rare. Oh my god, it's so mm-hmm. rare, especially now. Um, but if you can find that man, like, just I cling to those things. I try to pour into those relationships to serve people. To you know. Just say, we, we've got something really great here. We could disagree. And that's not about agreeing, mm-hmm. but like you're valuable and we've connected and let's invest in this because it's so rare where you could really be vulnerable and not be judged and be helped and be accepted. Maybe not left in your bad condition because someone's going to maybe, you know, move you along or, you know, challenge you, mm-hmm. which is totally healthy. But to have that kind of friends and those kinds of relationships. Oh my God. And do you remember when you had the first one? Like, do you remember when you finally achieved that with someone and then you started looking at everyone else? Like, wait a minute, (laughs) what am I, wait, what are you here for? What are we doing here? Like, no, 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 I got to move on. (laughs) Yeah. I I do remember. It is. It's life changing. It is. Yeah. I married her by the way. (laughs) 
<laughs> Excellent. Excellent yes. plan. Yes. That's my best best friend and partner in crime, my wife. That's absolutely. brilliant. Yeah. And again, we keep your best friend with you, then you've got a maid. Yeah, absolutely. It's good stuff. Well, I have kept you on here for a long time, but I, again, cannot tell you from my experience as a high school and college professor and even 10 years of working for a company that had such massive amounts of turnover and people that we've hired for the wrong thing in the wrong role and to watch them try and make something of that, how important what you are doing is. Thank and you. I will put in the show notes again your website. Um, I did it a couple of weeks ago when you asked me that question. It kind of just knocked the wind out of me because I was like, "That is an incredibly like complimentary question, but it's also it was, one I never really thought about." <laughs> well, I believe that about you. I, and I love believe that it's one of your strengths, and it comes out so clear. Um, one of the things I've grown to love about you. Alone, oh, for sure. and, well, and like that day where you were like, I want you, I want to pay you and I want you to help me. And I'm like, I don't, I help the helpers. Like I am not, there's no way in the world I would take a penny from you when I right. see this incredible work that you are doing. Mm-hmm. And I, I get this passion and excited about people like you and Ashley and everybody else. And I'm like, I want the world to hear what you're doing. I want the world to get to do it. And awesome. I love the fact that you're like, nah, I'm good. I got to stick with these 15 to 18 year olds. I got to stick with what works because this, then it will keep working. So Absolutely. I just, I appreciate that about you so much. So any last thoughts or anything? I mean, I've, I've had you chomping on the mic here for an hour and 20 minutes. <laughs> no, no, I just, I, I would just, the main thing I love to encourage, you know, your listening audience, if they're, first of all, it's been great to be on here. Thank you so much. This has been just so much fun. It's, I wish people could see all your facial expressions because that's, that that's half of the fun of having any interaction with you. <laughs> um, well, yeah, I do get a little eye rolling and, and I, I talk with it. my hands yeah. a lot. Like that's I know. Are you Italian? Are you Italian? Mm, I got a little bit in there, but not very much. Well, it was enough. It comes out in the hand, the yeah. hand talk. You know, I'm from New York City originally, so I grew up around a, t- a lot of Italians. Right. And uh, yeah, but anyway, but that was a sidetrack. <laughs> uh, so uh, it's been great to be here, like super fun. And I would just encourage parents with one thing, and that is when you're, if you're, you know, parent listening and you're thinking about your teenager's career future, uh, value their wiring, value who they are and their identity above anything else. And let that be the starting point for thinking about career direction, career future. Oh. Uh, there's a common phrase that's around now, uh, start with the why. I say start with the who. Oh, yeah. Who, who is your child? Who are they? What is their identity? How are they wired? What kinds of things were they made to do in this world? And if you can help your young person tap into their identity and then show them to, you know, how they can find life work expressions that align, you will honestly see your child thrive, be successful, be motivated, and really be fulfilled in what they do for their work. But it starts with them, who they are, and and really foster that and encourage that. And you have to get out of their way, which is not necessarily the parent like natural position (laughs) and yeah, yeah, putting them and, but all the things that they will um, learn from you and learn from that process 
all of a sudden gives them the gifts that you as a parent lay awake at night hoping they find someday. (laughs) And you can help them find it earlier just by making it about them. That is so true. Absolutely. And your Facebook group is called Life After 12th. And I'm yep, life after twelve. And I'll put it's, a link to that. And everyone's yeah, welcome, right? What's everyone that? is welcome. Everyone is welcome. It, it's it's uh, it's really designed for parents right. who have teenagers who are confused about career direction, or any parent who's really interested in the topic. We have parents in there who have young ones, and they're starting to get their minds wrapped mm-hmm. around some ideas that are a little different that we share in the group. And so, yeah, it, it's open. You you are you are welcome to come in. Um, I ask a couple of questions to come into the group. Um, I don't stalk you. Those actually really help me. So if we have anyone that wants to go in the group and you encounter those questions, uh, they are so helpful. So if you'd be willing to help me with responding, that just helps me keep relevant, see what parents are really going through. But yeah, your listening audience is welcome to join. Love to have you. Well, I joined just because I wanted to get more of you in my life. But then I also joined because I have this 14-year-old that I'm like, I'm like, I want to stay plugged into what you're doing because eventually, and I honestly, I've been looking at him with my one eye, you know, like, trying to figure out this, when are you going to be ready to talk to Jay? And I honestly don't know that it's going to be at 15 because we're like 210 days away from that. And I'm like, "Mm, I'm going to wait till you're 16. (laughs) As bad as I want to get him in there, I think what you talk about, like this needing to be something that he needs to be excited about. I'm not sure we're going to be there um, because he will just be a freshman in in high school. But yeah, I mean, I would love to put him in now, but I think many of the things you just, but it's been super helpful for me as a parent. And honestly, I try not to be too much of the, as a college professor or as a former high school Mm -hmm. teacher, but I do value it so much as a parent too. You do such good work. Your your input is certainly always welcome in the group. May I trust you? I have some Well, I'm so shy. So... (laughs) <laughs> it's not like you need to drag it out of me, I'm sure. But. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Great. Well, thank you so much. You have really, truly been one of the most energizing presents in my life in the last month. And like you have said, you've quoted me. I have quoted you and told okay, your story. And yeah, and you have been um, just through two or three little posts in my group have been phenomenal as well. So I love that we're doing that for one another, that the other person Absolutely. perceives they're on the receiving end sometimes from this. It's fantastic. Yeah. So I'm in the show notes will be all of Jay's information from his group and his website and those types of things. You can get a hold of him uh, through a contact form on that website. So thank you again, Jay. And thank you. This was fantastic. Well, I hope you found as much value in a conversation with Jay as I have. And I think these are energizing and fun for me because Jay is another person uh, much like Betsy from the High School Hamster Wheel and my good friend Michelle on Twitter, who I've never met in person, but I have all these amazing, energizing, and enlightening conversations with them. And I feel like they make me better and validate my journey. And I think that's what we are all looking for. So that, again, it's just what I want to share with you all. So I hope this conversation was helpful. Check the show notes for everything with Jay, and I will talk to you in the next conversation.